0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. This is uh, my last Sunday here as pastor of St. Paul Evangelical Lutheran Church. This is a place that has a big history for me, both pastorally and personally. I could talk about a lot of things today about how many baptisms and weddings and funerals officiated. I could talk about our Super Bowl of Caring win and our softball team's valiant effort. (laughs) I could tell you of our awesome youth groups, ranging from Puppet Posse to Confirmation, from high school to NYG. I could talk about what the shelter house looked like when I got here. Uh, I could talk about live nativity. I could talk about how the underground even looks different too now. I could talk about how, just back in 2003, how right at this spot, I married the love of my life I could talk about Caden getting his first confirmation and my mom sitting right back there in that chair next to Chad but we're not going to talk about all that stuff no no because I have a feeling I would get choked up and then it's just gonna make the service really long today we don't need to even focus on me or on what we have done together as a congregation to celebrate our time together that's not what we're here for we're here to celebrate what God has done and continues to do and what God has won through us through Jesus Christ one sermon I gave a while back uh, posed a question and the question was if you had one last sermon to give what would it be well I have one last sermon to give what would it be hmm I'm sure so many all of you remember all of them right Yeah, oh yeah, sure, Pastor Aaron, yeah, they're all great. Hmm. Well, there is one sermon I preached back on April 10th, 2011, entitled, But Sunday's Coming. And if I could leave you with one message, it would be that. So I'm going to leave you with this message. Today I am tired of evil. Today I am tired of death. Today I am tired of the fact that things are not the way that they are supposed to be. Anybody with me? In our readings today from scripture, these two readings of Ezekiel and Lazarus speak very well to this point. In the story from our gospel lesson, Lazarus, a beloved friend of Jesus. They were BFFs. And Lazarus died. He was dead for 4 days. In the timeline that we get from the gospel reading, Jesus let it happen. Why would Jesus let that happen? If Lazarus was so near and dear to Jesus' heart, that when Jesus finally did arrive, that he actually wept for him, why did Jesus, the son of the living God, let it happen in the first place? Lazarus was so dead that the stench was horrible, according to Mary and Martha, his sisters. Let's go back to the Old Testament reading. In Ezekiel, God takes Ezekiel in a vision to a valley, to a very dark place. Ezekiel says, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley that was full of bones. He led me around them. There were many lying in the valley and they were very dry. Now in the Bible, when something is very dry, a dry image is an image of suffering. There must have been great suffering there because the valley was full of dry bones. How dry were they? They (laughs) That. (laughs) That was really good. Um, They were so dry that Mary and Martha, remember them? They complained about the stench after four days. They were so dry that the stench of death was long gone. All the flesh had been decomposed. All that was left were these bones. Have you ever been there? At a place in your life, maybe you're there right now, where you feel like you're in a cave-like tomb with Lazarus, or a valley of dry bones with Ezekiel. Maybe you're there because of a job loss, the loss of a loved one, the loss of direction, the loss of identity, the loss of respect, fear of the unknown, maybe your pastor's leaving. News that has come to you that has not only changed your life, but the way that you look at life. There are so many things and reasons as to why many of us feel like we're in a situation that is, well, dry, stinky, hopeless. And those things are real. Some time ago, there was an interesting tidbit uh, by a journalist named Bob Garfield, who looked at the Washington Post, the USA Today, and the New York Times And he discovered that according to all of these articles, okay, 59 million Americans have heart disease, 53 million suffer migraines, maybe some today with the rain, 25 million have osteoporosis, 16 million struggle with obesity, 3 million have cancer, 12 million have disorders such as brain injuries. And with all these things, once you add in things like the flu and diabetes and So on and so forth. In total, 543 million Americans consider themselves to be very sick. Which is shocking in a country of only 266 million people. As Garfield notes, either we as a society are doomed, or someone is seriously double dipping. Here's the thing. We can survive the loss of an extraordinary amount of things in our lives but not one of us can outlive hope once it's gone we're done and that's what the devil wants the devil wants us to be so discouraged by whatever our valley of dry bones is by the stench of death looming in the tombs of our own lives that we start to lose hope therefore the capacity to stay focused on the presence and power of God is supremely important when we forget this simple truth We're like a steel worker who's up on a high rise who suddenly starts to look down. When we become more focused on the overwhelming nature of the storm rather than the overwhelming presence of God, we are in trouble. The Bible often speaks of this as losing heart. So in both the stories of Ezekiel and Lazarus, death does not have the final word. Life does. Life even in a valley of dry bones life even in a stinky tomb. From dry bones, God created life. Life abundant and full. And with Lazarus, one thing that shoots out for me for the story is certainly the miracle of Lazarus coming back to life, but also the hope that the two sisters shared. Both of them, when talking to Jesus, said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But Martha goes on to say, But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Brothers and sisters, that's hope. And optimism and hope are two different things. Optimism requires what Christopher Latch would call a belief in progress. That all things, I believe all things are going to get better for me. They have to, right? Hope includes all the psychological advantages of optimism, but is rooted in something deeper. When I hope, I believe that God is at work. God is at work to redeem all things regardless of how things happen to be turning out for me today. The Bible uses the word optimism zero times. The Bible gives us the word hope 187 times. God gives us hope. John Ortberg, one of my favorite pastors, he writes how that hope is what the fuel of the human heart runs on. A car crash or a diving accident can paralyze a body, but the death of hope paralyzes a spirit. Hope is what prompts a young man and woman to stand before a preacher and promise, I do, even though they have no guarantees. Hope is what fuels that same couple many years later after broken promises and broken hearts to give their promise another try. Hope is why human beings keep bringing children into the world. Hope is what... The reason why we have hospitals and universities. Hope is why there are therapists and consultants and why the Cleveland Browns continue to play preseason football. (laughs) The story of every single character in the Bible is the story of hope. Hope is what made Abraham leave his home. Hope is what made Moses willing to take on Pharaoh. Hope is what drove the prophets to take on City Hall. Tony Campolo, another favorite pastor of mine, tells the story of how he went to an African-American Baptist church in the inner heart of Philadelphia. And Tony tells the story that he was preaching a sermon and he was hot. He says, he was so hot. He was so hot that he stopped to even listen to himself for a little bit. That's how good he was. He sat down and he went next to the pastor of the church and he said, now try to top that one. He said, son, (laughs) you ain't seen nothing yet. So the pastor got up into the pulpit and he must and it had to have been a Baptist church because 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes long in this sermon. He kept saying something that just captivated everyone. He kept saying it's Friday, but Sunday's the coming. It's Friday. And evil has triumphed over good. Jesus is dying up there on the cross. The world is turned upside down. Things like this shouldn't happen. But that was only Friday. Sunday's a coming. It's Friday. But Sunday's a coming. Mary Magdalene was out of her mind with grief. Her Lord was being killed. Jesus had turned her life from sin to grace. Now he was dead. But that was only Friday. Sunday's a coming. The place was rocking. for Again, for an hour and a half. And all the preacher kept doing was saying, It's Friday. And all the congregation would do would say, Oh yeah. But he ended this really long sermon and he, and he sat down and he said, Sisters and brothers are suffering. Life just isn't fair. All they have to go through. But that's only Friday. Are coming. What was that? Sundays are coming. One more time. Sundays are coming. Oh, yes. You even got on the microphone. Good job. That was good. Brothers and sisters in Christ, today is Sunday. And what happened on a Sunday is why we are here today to worship every Sunday is a little Easter a day to remember that we don't have optimism rather we have hope hope in a God that trumps despair the goodness the mercy and the grace of God trumps evil life rooted in God trumps even death as the song so wonderfully says my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. If you're going through a Friday right now, please know that Sunday is coming. Today is a Sunday, and I tell you, it, it feels a little bit like a Friday uh, for me, maybe some of you. Um, today, I, I, if I had to leave you with one message, it is that Jesus Christ has come, has died and risen and coming again. And if you're going through a Friday, hold fast. Hold on to hope because Sunday's a coming. The good news of Christ, may that good news reach your heart today and reach your life. I want to thank all of you on a personal note. Thank all of you for your love and support. I am very grateful. I am grateful for the privilege of being your pastor. I'm thankful for the staff and for all of their hard and diligent work, especially in these last couple years. I want to thank to the Bell Choir, the Adult Choir, to the Children's Choir, to the Praise Band. This Praise Band does not get enough credit. They're here every single Sunday. Thank you, Praise Band. I give thanks for Philip Cordell, uh, our accompanist on the organ. Thank you to every volunteer who put water in the pulpit, and water in the font, who worked in the food pantry or shelter, who did God's work with their hands in order to show God's love to other people through real ways of action, presence, and prayer. Thank you for embracing the Super Bowl of Caring concept. Thank you for every single parent who worked with me to make this youth ministry at St. Paul what it is today. Thank you to Lee Boone, to Winnie Mays, to Peg Kennedy, to Elton Up. For all their work with me in that as well. Thank you to the youth who made each Sunday night worth missing football for. Thank you for the youth who made each trip a holy time of fun and growing in Jesus. Thank you also to Pastor Charlie, to Pastor Dick Match, and to Pastor Will Saunders for their faithful witness here in this place as well. Go over there for a minute. Okay, I'm good. Um, I want to thank my wife, Marcy. Thanks to my wife, Marcy, for loving our children and doing so much with our kids and all those times that I had to go to a meeting. Uh, Thank you to Caden and Annabelle for understanding that the reason I had to go to those meetings was so that others may know Christ more. Thank you for sharing in my calling. I was going to get through this. Um, Thank you to my mom and dad. Take a second. Woo. Okay. Um, daggone, I had this down in practice too. I was here at 6:30. I had it. Go on. You guys are all looking at me. Um, thank you to your mom and dad for all the gifts you've given me and made me who I am today. Thank you to St. Paul Lutheran Church and its church council. Uh, please continue to pray for the council and call committee that they may see God's direction and do what is best for this congregation. Uh, thank you for everyone here at St. Paul. All the committee chairs and for all your warm, encouraging thoughts, and for all of you who stalk me on Facebook. Um, Thank you for the ministry that you do for all. Uh, St. Paul Lutheran Church, may the hope of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit renew your life in the living of these days. Jesus loves you, and so do I. Amen. Amen. Amen.